Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of React Native Radio. I'm Tim Jung, and joining me today on the panel is James Brenton. Hey guys. Also, our guest today is Catalin Moran. Catalin, if you want to introduce yourself, please feel free. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Catalin Miron. Uh, I'm currently a developer working at Skype for more than two years now in the messaging team, uh, where we build a cross-platform solution using ReactXP, which is a platform on top of uh, React and React Native. Uh, I talk a little bit about it at the React Native conference uh, in 2019, in September. If you'd like to find out more, you can uh, just check the, the conference uh, talk on YouTube. And uh, side projects, I think that I'm doing mostly animations. Um, I've started uh, doing animations on web. Uh, also wrote a couple of articles for uh, Tots Plus. And then um, I was doing React since the beginning, I think six years ago. And uh, then a friend, a colleague of mine went to uh, React conference uh, when it was announced React Native. And because it was in the audience, whoever was in the audience gained access to React Native private repository. And I was uh, in, in that period learning Swift. So for me, because I also had React.js knowledge, jumping to React Native was really easy. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. Since then, I actually built the very first complete application using React Native, which is a Dribble clone and it's open source. Nowadays, it's not maintained anymore because Dribble API just uh, cut everyone off and I am not able to build anything uh, using Dribble API anymore, unfortunately. But that uh, opened the gates for me doing uh, awesome open source projects because I received a lot of uh, attention and I received lots of emails saying good words about my project. So I continue further using React Native uh, as a side project, I would say, because I was a React developer by day and a React Native developer by night. So uh, I'm, I'm a stalker. So I'm, I'm on Dribble, I'm on Pinterest, I'm on UI Movement, I'm Wherever you find good motion designers, I'm, I'm on that platform as well, uh, trying to find good uh, UI interactions and micro interactions and animations in general. And I'm trying to recreate those. So after a while, uh, stacking in React Native, um, I developed a series called Learning by Doing, where I'm actually taking those uh, animations and trying to recreate those in React Native. And everything is open source. And lately, I'm also recording those uh, sessions. And I have a YouTube channel uh, where you can see me kind of giving uh, tips and tricks and also uh, uh, breaking down all the pieces in order to get that animations done in React Native. 
Awesome. Well, um, no, it's cool to hear the whole kind of journey and process to, you know, getting to where you are now, you know, just a, a tidbit of all that. And um, just want to say welcome back to you. You actually were on the podcast previously back when Nader Dabit was still the host. So it's cool to have you back on. Yeah, it's, it's nice to, to be here again. Uh, it's, it's a nice podcast. And thank, thanks again for inviting me to this show. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, of course. Um, and you kind of touched on it some, but today we're going to be talking a lot about animations and micro interactions specifically. Yeah, that's that's a subject close to my heart, actually. And I, I really love to, to express myself uh, in animations, if it's possible. Uh, I actually gave a talk at uh, React Day Berlin in December uh, this year, 2000, uh, last year, 2019, uh, where I have actually uh, did a little comparison between what a micro-interaction is and what a UI animation is. And what are the existing libraries out there for React Native uh, where you can implement either a micro-interaction or a UI animation? Yeah. Can, we, can we talk a little bit about, um, you know, can you define what a micro-interaction is? Yeah, a micro-interaction is funny though. It's, it's not a tiny thing, even though the, the name suggests it. Uh, it's, it's not gonna take the entire space and it's not gonna perform multiple actions or it's not gonna distract user. Uh, a micro-interaction, it's basically an, an action that's gonna, the, go, the main goal of micro-interaction is to help user. Uh, whenever the user needs it. So for example, uh, if you receive a notification and you have a bell icon somewhere on the screen, if it's just shaking a little, just to distract just a little, not, not too much the user, that's, that's the perfect goal of micro-interaction. And there are different, uh, different types of uh, micro-interactions as well. Uh, so, for example, uh, system status. Uh, if you'd like to uh, notify the user whenever, for example, he's uploading uh, an image, you would like to see the progress of that. Uh, so the system is actually giving you uh, feedback saying, hey, you're at 50% uh, progress for your upload. And also for the manipulation, uh, adding to cart, for example, you can you can uh, do a little pop-up animation saying that, hey, we've added uh, the thing to your cart and you can proceed with paying uh, with a checkout or just acknowledgement. Uh, whenever you're um, you're on Twitter, right, and you you like to favorite tweets, you you have a little animation that pops on uh, pops in, and it's not it's not taking the entire space, right? It's just notifying you that you did uh, you perform an action with success. Uh, so mainly that that's that's the whole point of a micro interaction, and uh, it it shouldn't be too distracting for for the user to to see it. And it should help. the The main goal of micro interaction is to just help the user achieving more. Right. It's those very subtle um, animations. Even it shouldn't be too intrusive. Where, I mean, I get this. Certain animations you do want to be intrusive, and, and you want to really stand out. But these these micro ones are really all about being subtle, but adding that extra little level of detail. It sounds like. Yes, exactly. And even though it's it's just uh, a pure digital screen. I think the goal of micro interaction is to, to make us 
the, the whole movement as, as smooth and as natural as possible. Uh, take, for example, uh, uh, dragging something on the screen, uh, like you have a range and you'd like to set a range in between two points, right? And you have a drag, uh, a drag interaction there. Uh, you, you can modify some numbers on the screen while dragging. And, and that's, that's something that uh, indicate the user that, hey, this, this action is performed uh, successfully. And here are the number or here is the position of your finger uh, on the screen. And it's, it's, it's a subtle, a subtle uh, animation or it's a, it's a small interaction with the user, but this is what differentiate uh, applications and really good applications. And there are lots of applications out there, such as Twitter. I gave you an example with a favorite, uh, but there's also Medium, for example, when you clap. You have just a little uh, animation there that uh, that's engaging with the user. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's, you know, I think about my project, um, and I think that's something that I wish we did a lot better because it really just could add, you know, just that level of um, like intimate experience between the user um, and the app that really makes a big difference. How do you gauge when there's too many micro interactions? At what point are you like, this, this activity deserves a little bit of animation? And when do you feel like it's appropriate to just have a flat, response with a color change or something that just comes for free in React Native? Yeah, I think we humans uh, are like, like really advanced uh, on, on this topic uh, because everything that surrounds us, it's, it's an animation or a micro interaction. And I'm really, uh, I'm 100% I'm sure that most of us um, had this feeling that whenever they, they open the application and you're doing something and that micro interaction is not in place or I don't know, you have too many micro interactions, you have this feeling that something it's not slightly there or something in your head, uh, it, it matches a, a, a wrong experience. And, and I think that at that point, you should, uh, you should either remove some of them, or make it even subtle. So the user or your eyes will not feel uh, overwhelmed. It's, it's just based on, on the instinct, uh, more or less. Yeah, so it's a feeling from using it and just a general yeah, exactly. sense of discomfort. Okay. Yeah, one thing I think's kind of interesting is, you know, sometimes I see myself as an engineer who's maybe not as experienced in design, you know, obviously it's not my area of expertise. Um, so my question would be, you know, do you, do you typically come up with these microtransactions yourself or, or, um, do you tend to work with like a design team or something when you're coming up with them? Yeah, I, I'm usually taking those from, uh, experienced designers or motion designers as they are called. Uh, and I'm just trying to recreate those and, uh, I'm, I'm the, the picking part is the trickiest one because I, I tend to believe in, in my eyes. So whenever I'm seeing uh, an animation which feels good, I'm actually taking it and trying to implement it. Uh, because out there on, on the internet, you, you can find uh, different kinds of animations or micro interactions in general, which they don't feel like 
too natural in a way or another. And and those those animations I'm trying to avoid as much as possible. And and only taking the ones that are just feeling right and properly um, uh, to be implemented uh, in a real world application. So how do you go through that whole process where, I mean, so you're seeing these animations, um, you know, from designers and, and they look really cool. And then you decide you're going to go build this thing. How do you even dive into the whole process of, you know, transcribing that essentially into your engineering terms? Yeah. It, the, the first step is, uh, so there are two possibilities here. Either you have a GIF or a GIF. Uh, or you have a, a MOV file, or I don't know, an MP4, right? With the MP4s are really easy because you can uh, forward or, I don't know, go frame by frame to see how the things are actually moving on the screen. But in case of a GIF or a GIF, you can easily convert it into an MP4. And then I'll just go directly to QuickTime and play it frame by frame to see how the things are um, are staggering. I don't know what's if there is a stagger animation, if uh, what's the uh, uh, movement. It's uh, knees out. It's a linear. I'm just trying to match all these uh, uh, these moving parts, and I just write down on a piece of paper saying that hey, this element it's moving first, and I'm just waiting 200 milliseconds in between animations or. Uh, this is how how many elements are popping on the screen. For example, if you have the heart uh, exploding, there are, I don't know, 12 different uh, confettis uh, uh, popping around. So I'm just trying to match as close as possible, uh, playing frame by frame the, uh, the initial motion design. And uh, yeah, making notes, uh, putting everything on the paper, uh, brainstorm before just jumping directly into the code as I, I, I really want to do that. But uh, in order to have a, a good output and a good animation, you really need to, to trust the motion designer and you, you need to, to, to make it pixel perfect, I would say. I don't know how to translate that in a motion design world, but it's basically the same, pixel perfect for, for animations and play it frame by frame. and put everything down that's a really interesting way to look at it i i would not have thought of doing the conversion and checking frame by frame i've had to do this and um i've just been staring at animation and trying to watch it and actually if i were to have converted it and looked at the frames it would have made it a lot easier where do you go from there do you just start straight in react native or do you do it separately on like a code pen or something like that when you first start putting some stuff together yeah, I'm, I'm doing everything in Expo mostly uh, because it's really uh, easy to get up and running with it. Uh, I'm, I'm also, uh, I think I'm amongst the, the first users of Snack. Uh, and I love Snack. Snack. It's such yeah, a great, Snack, yeah. Exactly. It's mostly like a code pen, but for React Native. And uh, in the beginning, it was even uh, even great because yeah, you, you could also share snacks, and everyone can can uh, have the, the the feeling on their mobile phones. Uh, but yeah, usually I'm using Snack if I just want to prototype something really fast. Uh, but for example, for video tutorials, I'm uh, using Expo directly. So Expo init, the name of the project, and then everything gets up and running really, really fast. 
Nice. Can you talk me through the process that you go through? Just uh, the last animation that you wrote. Tell me about what that looked like. The last animation that I did was a slider for uh, a birthday uh, uh, date. And I was using multiple libraries there. Uh, the first one was um, Pose. Uh, Pose, it's a, it's a really tiny library uh, for doing animations, but they also expose a helper. So uh, because the slider had uh, different um, segments, I just want to move near the, the closest segment whenever you, you scroll with your finger or you drag with the finger. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, in order to get the, the numeric value of the place where you, you are in that ruler, uh, I was using uh, the, uh, the event, I was getting the event from the scroll view and I was populating uh, the input. So uh, I, I had uh, an input on the screen uh, displaying the number of the ruler that you are scrolling to, and that was populated using uh, the native event from uh, the uh, scroll view uh, scrolling position, and I was just populating it uh, directly. Yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. Do you always rely on libraries for the animations? Can you successfully animate with just CSS and React Native, or do you need some add-ons in order to make it a bit easier? Yeah, React Native is not using CSS, but it's it's using the animated uh, library, which is built in React Native. Uh, for most of my tutorials or uh, in learning by doing series, I was using only animated API, which React Native exposed. Uh, but lately, I was also using React Spring, which is also a library for doing animations, which works cross-platform. Cross and uh, mostly the, the uh, animated API, which React Native exposed. Uh, I didn't went too, too far with it, because if you're presenting an animation to a newcomer, for example, or to someone that didn't uh, haven't done any animation in the past. It's it's really hard to just say, hey, but for animation, we're not going to use animated API, which React Native exposed. We're going to use a different library. Uh, just just start uh, slow and, and easy uh, for newcomers in general. Over the last many years, we've had a ton of terrific people on JavaScript Jabber. And one thing that I realized over the last few years was that we were missing out on some of the real story there. So we would talk about the topic that they were experts in and help you keep up on what's going on in the JavaScript community. But I felt like we had these terrific people on there and we didn't really talk about who they were. So I pulled together a show called My JavaScript Story. And what we do is we interview the people that we've had on JavaScript Jabber or people just from the community. Maybe we'll have you on sometime. And we talk about how they got into programming, how they got into JavaScript, what they're working on, what they're well known for, and how they've developed their career. And some of the people are extremely well known and come from really interesting backgrounds. So if you're curious about how your JavaScript heroes got into JavaScript, then go check out My JavaScript Story. You can find it at myjsstory.com. So I guess one thing I'm actually kind of interested in too is how, you know, what are the limits of um, the built-in animated library? Like what does it offer? Um, but then kind of where does its mileage run out as well? Yeah, there are some problems with uh, the performance, for example. Um, 
you can run on native trade uh, only uh, the transforms and opacity. So whenever you're trying to animate the color or something like that, you, you cannot rely on the native thread. So uh, you'll have, uh, you'll drop uh, frames, which is, which is not ideal for micro interactions or animations in general, uh, because they feel like really uh, glitchy, I would say. And definitely for Android, uh, it's, it's not gonna work uh, great on low graded devices. Uh, but for that, uh, there is there is a great library called React Native Reanimated, which move everything to the native thread. So you don't you don't block the uh, the JavaScript part. Uh, everything is gonna run uh, fluidly on all devices. Uh, of course, there is some boilerplate, and uh, the documentation kind of it's it's not hard to to digest, but uh, it can be a blocker for a lot of uh, developers, but just give it a try. Uh, I think that uh, this learning by doing concept, it's, it's really good and you, you can apply it here as well. So whenever you're going through React Native reanimated documentation, just, just do something. Uh, just read it, uh, maybe copy pasting it and then mutate it uh, or modify it in, in a way or another. And, just get the, the feeling of how it is to, to code with React Native reanimated. And if there are any problems, like for example, the clock, uh, which is a, a complex um, set timeout, I'll say, in reanimated, uh, uh, William Cadillon uh, actually created Redash, which helps and remove this abstraction and you can use timings, you can use easings really fast using uh, that library, which is React Native Redash. Uh, again, it's, it's a, there are lots of libraries that you need to combine, but the end goal is for the user. So those two libraries actually gave the, the best user experience and they'll not feel any uh, dropping frames, uh, nothing will be blocked while animating. So worth trying it out. It's, it's interesting um, because there are a lot of different libraries out there for animations and micro interactions and all these things. I mean, even just already, we've mentioned React Spring. Um, we've talked about React Native Reanimated. And now you're saying too that a lot of the time it makes sense to combine multiple libraries. Um, you know, how do you evaluate that? How do you, is there ever a point where you're just this library overkill um, and you're like, ah, it's not worth it. Or like, are there just like some favorites that you tend to stick to, or do you really branch out and experiment with like, you know, more uh, lesser known libraries too? Yeah, I tend to stick with, with uh, some particular libraries uh, because I, I just want to master them. Uh, like for example, I really enjoyed working with Pose, uh, which now it's, uh, it's the Framework Motion library. Uh, I also dig really deep into React Spring. Uh, but again, those, those two libraries are not meant uh, to, to work like uh, really performant on React Native. Even though they are trying to, they are not built in React Native. They, they tend to uh, support different multiple platforms uh, also web and mobile. And uh, there are some um, 
downsides to it. But usually I, I think that animated API, which React Native exposed, is really good. Uh, as long as you don't want to do uh, too many animations, like really hard ones. I don't know, you want to move, um, you have a shared element transition, for example, or uh, you want to move elements while fetching some data. Those cases are like extreme cases or corner cases, and it really requires uh, performance libraries such as reanimated. But other than that, just moving pixels on the screens on the screen or uh, just creating a, a tiny micro interaction, uh, animated API from React Native uh, will, will do the, the best job there. That does actually kind of bring me on to the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is at what point do you feel like you can't do the animations that you wanted to do in React Native? What is there that's too, or requires too much performance or maybe you would have to do natively or just isn't gonna work out for you? Have you come across anything like that? Of course, because uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's why I've also created learning by doing and all all my projects on on GitHub because I saw lots of developer facing this problem, and uh, for me I'm I'm looking on from from a different angle to this problem. For me, it's a, it's it's always a challenge in order to to create or recreate some animations, even even though they are really hard to do. Uh, I'm just stretching my head around it and I'm, I'm staying maybe weeks in order to get it right uh, and, and just share my knowledge with others. Uh, I think that's why also William Cadillon uh, is it, so popular with Can It Be Done in React Native? Because uh, a lot of developers coming from different worlds, uh, because this is React trying to also move to, to the uh, native or to mobile, right? If you're coming from a web, uh, perspective, just jumping into animations in React Native, it's a, it's a totally different uh, thing. And just trying to recreate small small parts, I think that that will do the trick. And uh, I, of course, I've encountered lots of problems. And usually I ping William if I need any help with anything. Uh, but usually it's a, it's a challenge and I'm always looking at those problems as challenges, not actually issues or problems and something that cannot be done. So I'm actually curious on this topic of can it be done? Um, I know this one thing that you talk about sometimes in your talks is, you know, keeping that 60 FPS um, going on. And I imagine when you're evaluating, you know, can I do this animation or it's micro interaction, you're paying close attention to are you dropping frames or any of this stuff. But for you know, our, our listeners or for, for even me, how, how are you actually paying attention to when those frame drops are happening? How do you know? Are you actually like going back and testing on like old Android devices and stuff too? Like at what point, like what, what data do you specifically see where you're just like, okay, this animation is causing a worse experience because we aren't hitting 60 anymore. Yeah. The, the first step up, I'm usually doing and building mostly everything in uh, in iOS. And if iOS is not moving properly, I'm not going to check Android because it's going to be even worse. And uh, I'm trying to get to 60 FPS on iOS first. And I have a real device, a physical device, a Nexus 5S, 5X. Um, and and I'm, 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 uh, I'm running that animation on that device, which is not really performant is not the worst, 
uh, device, I would say. But uh, if if something really happens on on Android, for example, there is an inspector in React Native showing you the FPS real time, and from from there, I'm just digging into the code and debugging it, um, mostly because uh, I'm I'm running uh, something else while doing the animation can can cause a problem. Like I, I gave you an example, fetching uh, fetching something from an API or uh, mapping through a huge list of items or uh, while scrolling to a big uh, through a big list, I'm also animating something. Uh, those uh, those particular things are blocking the whole the whole thread, and uh, your animation is not gonna uh, the loop the event loop is is gonna be blocked. So your animation will will definitely definitely lose uh, uh, frames. But again, that that that's a problem which was fixed about uh, with React Native reanimated because there is no uh, no loop on on JS thread. So. Uh, so everything your, happens on the native thread. What's your like strategy then? Like one thing you mentioned, for instance, is like, you know, you're scrolling through a huge list and you're doing some animation um, and you notice that there's a performance issue because of that. How do you fix something like that? Do you like choose to pause the animation until the scrolling is done? Or like what, what are common things that you run into? Usually I, I, I'm trying to avoid uh, running animations while uh, scrolling. Uh, because if if you're scrolling, you definitely want to find something. If I'm coming with with an animation, I think it's a it's a bad uh, user experience, and I'm trying to avoid those uh, uh, to to beat head in head. So, uh, but if definitely requires an animation, for example, I don't know, you, you have a, a score at the top of in the header, and while scrolling, you're just increasing that score or that number, or I don't know, you want to show uh, the progress of your scroll. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to use a native driver for that, and I'll, I'll avoid any, any pain. And uh, for example, uh, animated API has, has native driver for transforms. So yeah, I, I'm just trying to mess around with uh, mostly the native driver properties that I can work with. Uh, to just avoid any performance uh, issues. So is it a case of sort of choosing the correct library for the type of animation you want to use? So if you know it's uh, the example that you gave there, which is part of the animate library, um, is that a reason to then use that over something else? Yeah, if I, I'm just trying to have as uh, less libraries as possible. Uh, again, it's 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 a matter of how big is gonna be that application or how many animations are we gonna perform or how how is the is the screen populated because whenever you're starting working on an application you usually have some screens or some designs uh, not particular animations but you have the designs in place and you can figure it out if there will be some movement on the screen and based on that you can just take some notes and uh, see if it's feasible to go with animated API built in React Native or to learn or move to reanimate re it. I, I think learning reanimated API, it's, it's a huge win for everyone uh, because uh, 
it's it's challenging in the first place but then you you it's like releasing the kraken it's you, you, you'll be unstoppable uh once once you you just master that library it's your imba if you had to pick one library would that be the one that you tell people to go right for uh to pick one reanimate it differently cool. uh, it's it's uh, it's the library to go um and for small uh for for example usually startups are are doing this uh, you, you want to just build a proof of concept or an mvp right you don't want to be like super performant you just want to have something animated on the screen and you want to do it really fast and for that i really recommend animatable by oblador which is it, it it's gonna save ton ton of time and it, everything will will run really really good just for mvps and not only for mvps but for getting started and having an application up and running with animations animatable have i think mostly 140 different animations built in and it also support uh, native threads, so native drivers. So if you're just moving uh, or animating different uh, uh, values such as transform and opacity, it's also smart enough to use the native driver. So uh, yeah, totally. So I guess one thing that's interesting to me too is how many of these actually like support hooks and everything? I know React Spring is one that definitely does, but are the rest also keeping up on that kind of thing? Yeah, as far as I know, reanimated support hooks. I think not for everything, but definitely supports hooks. And Redash, uh, it's built entirely uh, on hooks. Uh, I may be wrong, but uh, mostly everything that Redash exposed, Redash it's, it's sits on top of reanimated. It's more like a helper library. Uh, everything uh, they uh, William built everything with hooks. So. It's it's really nice to use and really easy to to dig. Awesome! It's actually super useful to know because yeah, I definitely would want to dive into trying out reanimated and, and knowing that it has the redash on top of it for hooks would would be perfect. Yeah, it's it's really it's really great, and uh, William uh, did did a, a great job, and he's he's actually maintaining it uh, properly and. You can see him all over the place, and he's trying to to do his best to uh, to support new versions and uh, to support everything and make developer life easier. So it's increasing both developer experience plus user experience, because no matter how hard you're trying, uh, the end goal is to uh, please users' eyes and to increase the user experience. So your application is is gonna. Uh, receive lots of five stars and uh, a good rating. Are there any uh, issues using animations between Android and iOS platforms? Is it right once and it works in both every time? Or do we find that sometimes there are issues where one doesn't work in the other? I haven't, I haven't encountered any, any problems on uh, cross-platform animations. Uh, there are different uh, parts which they don't work properly cross-platform, such as overflow hidden, for example. I remember back then it was there are lots of problems with overflow on Android or the UI it's kind of wrong uh, between those two platforms. But the animated API they they just expose the same API 
the animated expose the same API cross platform and it's working the same. Uh, yeah, of course, it doesn't make performance. sense. It would be. Yeah, but the performance can can be like uh, a little. You, you you might have issues with performance on Android, uh, maybe because of the nested childs and nested views, uh, but it should it should work uh, seamlessly. So one other thing that I kind of picked up on, you know, watching your talk you gave uh, in Berlin. Um, would you also also talk about something called shared element transition? Um, and there's a few things under there, like you have some things like magic move, um, shared element, fluid transition. What are these things, and how are you kind of using them in projects that you're maintaining? Yeah, I I was building also tutorial on YouTube uh, using um, uh, shared element transition, and I was using a library based on uh, animated API uh, exposed by React Native. It's it's not bulletproof, and definitely there are some performance issues uh, because it's mostly JS animation, right? And uh, whenever you're moving um, elements from a screen to another. Uh, you, you need to display uh, uh, elements uh, based on a, a server response, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna lose frames. And uh, a, a really nice uh, shared element transition um, library, which exists, uh, it's actually built on uh, in native. So everything it's native, uh, both Android and uh, iOS, and uh, it's called React Native Shared Element, um, and it's based on reanimated um, API for animations, plus the movement from a screen to another. It's happening on the, it's it's a native uh, module, and previously it was uh, it was Magic Move, uh, but it was using again some animated API uh, from React Native, and you could lose some frames. But then the creator actually moved everything to the native, and you have the the native performance out of the box for shared element, uh, and it's also exposed in Expo by default. Now they they've introduced that library directly in Expo, so you don't need to link anything, and uh, it's the the performance the most performant library I'll say for shared element transition. Many of you have probably heard about App Store optimization and how it can help you get more downloads. There's a lot of demand for apps right now, so it's a really great time to give it a try. It's easier than you think. The folks at App Figures have easy step-by-step -step guides and intuitive tools, which many indie developers are using to get more downloads. The guys who run it are indie devs who have a need and created the tool. 11 years later, it's an all-in-one platform for developers who want to get more downloads and make more money with their apps. Try App Figures for free, and if you like it, you can use our special code RNR3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Nice, yes. I was watching that video and just some of the shared element stuff is something I never really thought about too much before. I mean, it really creates, um, and I guess to like describe some of the things I saw was like, you know, on one screen you have like a box and when you navigate to the next screen it kind of sticks around instead of just flashing over to another screen you see you know this box kind of jump over and now it's living in the next screen and it just kind of 
makes it really clear what action the user took. Maybe if you click the box and then it hung around, um, it, it kind of makes it so you feel like you haven't lost your place in the app in a way, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah, that's, that's the whole point of a shared element transition is to inform user, hey, this is, this is the, uh, the elements which needs to be on the next screen because something will happen with it, such as, for example, a shopping cart. You'll have multiple elements on the screen, but the final thing that matters maybe can be the price, and you can move that price in between screens seamlessly. And the, the math behind it is really simple. The, the trickiest part is to get it uh, done uh, in a performant way uh, because you, you, you can calculate, you can get the position of that element from the first screen and on the second screen and just do an interpolation and apply some different styles to it. Uh, and apply a different, uh, in, in shared element transition, the routing is happening with the fade transition. Um, and first you, you fade to the second screen and then move the element and then fade in or do different animation to the second screen to display the, the rest of the elements from the second screen. So it's, it's a step-by-step -step animation and uh, the fade in out, it's, it's the routing um, animation that's happening there. In a way, it's almost kind of like a magic performance. Um, you know, you're kind of pulling some secret levers behind the curtain that the user's not necessarily aware of to make the magic happen of, of how it actually is perceived by the user. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the point. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's the eyes. Tricking the eyes of the user it's, is the best thing ever because you can sell, you can uh, promote, you can do whatever you'd like if you can trick user eyes and please them. Uh, that's, that's really hard to do in, in a mobile application. Uh, but once you, you, you do it and you know what to do, it's, I think it's worth any, any time uh, invested in, in that part. What's your favorite animation that you've uh, written in that case? Uh, I, I came across a dribble uh, animation. Uh, uh, it's about a seat selector. Um, and you have a, a, an array or a matrix by, I don't know, six by six or so. Sure. And uh, which kind of where you can, where you can uh, for each position, you have kind of seat. And uh, there is a, you can uh, select the seats, right? But you also have a button which refresh the whole the whole matrix, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, the way it get refreshed is is really nice because it's it's coming from top left to bottom right, and it's kind of wave happening there, and I, I'm really proud for that animation because I was also uh, uh, thinking how can I actually uh, create the animations. Uh, like, uh, how can I get the diagonal of that matrix? Because yeah, it's it's like really, uh, really nice. And yeah, I'm I'm really proud for for that uh, for that animation. Uh, it didn't took a while, and uh, I I was really surprised with the output. I'll say that's super cool. Um, no, it really shows the level of passion and care you have for this. And it makes me think about one thing that you talked about in the video talk you gave, which was you had this point that um, 
features are what draw someone to the app and then details are what keep them. Um, and definitely hearing you talk about, you know, making sure that that animation, uh, that micro, inter micro interaction that you were working on was perfect, um, really just shows like the level of care you have for those details that keep people. Yeah, actually, I, I, I didn't want to sell anything on, on that talk. I, I just want to be honest there. And uh, again, the end goal is to, to make a beautiful application. Definitely, the UI matters the most, almost the most, uh, because uh, without animations, you, you're not going to... Because users on, on the mobile side, especially, they are, they, are, uh, they are looking for those animations. They... Uh, it's it's the uh, it sets uh, it sits in in the roots of a mobile application to have animations and everything should be smooth and fluid and natural. So if you if you even though you're building the the most beautiful application and everything is glitchy and just popping out without any uh, natural way of appearing, it's it's gonna devastate the user eyes. And he's not going to use that application, uh, no matter how hard are you going to struggle uh, before that. I think, um, yeah, it's actually really interesting just how much these small things that you can do, and so, some of them not small, some of them big too, that just really bring a lot to an app. And I guess um, since we're kind of wrapping up on time, I'll, I'll ask one final question on this topic, which is essentially, um, now that you've sold me, I need to do this more, how do I go talk to my UI and my UX team and convince them um, to start doing more of this, uh, designing more, you know, getting these motions? Because um, you mentioned motion designer as a word earlier too. Um, how do I how do I get everyone on board to make this a thing? They should have this in blood. I, I think uh, it, it, it's part of the, the user journey inside the application, no matter what. And just, from from my perspective, just start small and uh, usually use small libraries or just animated API built in React Native, just to move things around. Not not too many, just just the parts which uh, you feel that are quite important to the application, such as start with uh, animating a button whenever you press it or animate the. Um, appearing of, of the title or do a little fade in, fade out animation. Uh, look up for inspiration on uh, dribble, UI movement. Now, nowadays there are um, three or maybe four different platforms that offers only animations uh, for mobile uh, applications such as UI movement, it's one, App Labs is the second one. And you'll find there different animations or micro interactions and just look up for inspiration and apply some of those learnings into your application. But first start small because um, you don't wanna overcrowd the whole scene there and just move everything because you can, right? Don't, don't do a stagger animation for all the elements or for all the letters in, in, uh, that appears on the screen. Just start small. Uh, a good example, it's, it's the button that you can um, scale in, scale out based on, on the touch. Cool, great advice and actually super interesting topic. Um, we're going to move on to our picks now. 
um, which is just for users who don't know, this is kind of where the panelists and the guests get to talk about something that they just want to talk about because they think it's cool or they want to share it with you guys at the end of the show. So, um, James, if you want to kick us off, uh, feel free. Uh, well, okay. This week, the UK is still in lockdown. Um, I think last week I talked about Rocksmith for the guitar. Uh, this week, I've just been back to playing computer games and I've been playing Minecraft back into it. It's such a great lockdown game. It's, it's so wonderfully addictive and everyone's kids like to play it. Everybody's, anyone who's got it can join in online. It's a great co-op game. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun playing that with some friends this, this last week. You know, I've actually been playing Minecraft a little bit too. Um, I yeah. have one of those Minecraft Realm servers that I'll just jump into, and I have it set up to be creative mode because I just like to build, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I also started to to play Dota too, and my wife she's just screaming around saying, "Why, why are you doing it again?" <laughs> uh, so, and I, I'm just trying to delete Steam nowadays, but it's a slippery slope. Hard. So, so our viewers can't see it, but you can. This is my water bottle I've been drinking out of the whole thing. Yeah, I saw, I saw yeah. it. That's why I want to introduce it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a good fit. Yeah, Dota's, um, Dota's an interesting game. It's a very angry game, um, but it's also a game where you just can't get an experience like what you get in Dota. It's, just a, it's like a level of high that no other game really offers. So good, good to bring that up too. Um. So for, for my pick, um, I'm going to highlight something a little different than normal. Um, and it's probably not going to be something most viewers will even like. But uh, my favorite rap artist, uh, his name is Young Lean. He's a Swedish rapper. Uh, came out with a new album called Stars with a Z at the end. Um, I really like it. I think it's like his best album yet. So you guys, should, if you're into rap and you like something that's has like heavy Swedish influences to it, um, you should check out that album. And Kettling, if you want to do your pick, what, uh, what do you got for us this week? And you can have multiple things too. It doesn't have to be just one thing. Yeah, fortunately, I have two things, maybe three, but two, two especially. I, I really enjoy lately. I, I, I bought a new camera, just record my YouTube uh, videos, but also take uh, pictures. And it's a Sony Alpha uh, 6400. And I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's the best camera ever. I had a, I had a Nikon uh, and the difference is huge. Uh, I cannot compare those two. And if you really wanna start recording yourself or shooting some nice uh, photos, uh, I highly recommend the, the Sony 6400. And the second pick, uh, it's it's a shameless plug, but um, I'm working on on a platform called Jobs. With uh, if you're familiar with Dribble, it's the same, but Jobs with uh, three Bs and Z at the end. So Jobs.com, and it's a platform where mainly it's aggregating uh, jobs from all the platforms in the world, uh, trying to to get everything on 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 a single uh, website. And I'm, I'm, I'm working intensively on that. Hopefully I'll get up and running in a couple of weeks now. And the last, the last it's Hasty Tips. Uh, Hasty Tips, it's, it's giving tips and tricks uh, via code. Uh, 
so it's a developer-based uh, platform uh, and with a possibility to share on Twitter your uh, snippets, your tips, and everyone nowadays on Twitter share different uh, carbon uh, images uh, with different tips and tricks. So I thought that it's it's a good time for creating a, a dedicated platform for that. So check it out if you'd like. Uh, those are in progress, but uh, I'll release them uh, as soon as possible. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I was thinking too, um, back to Dota for a second, sorry, but uh, if they have the international back over in Europe again, I hope to see you there. So let me know. If yeah. I, I don't know if know my that. wife and my daughter will be proud of me, but I'll <laughs> do my best. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, if, uh, if, because uh, I'll probably try to make my way out to Europe sometime um, for that next international, but uh, so I'll keep you in mind. But, uh, yeah, yeah I'm trying to avoid any any games. Uh, I was a pro <laughs> Counter Strike player, so I know the feeling. I know oh. how to spend uh, dirty nights and stuff. So cool. All right. Um, well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, if people want to follow you, Catalin, where can they do that at? I'm I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, twitter.com slash Miron Catalin, uh, M-I-R-O-N-C-A-T-A-L-I-N. Uh, just ping me there. If you need any help, I'm all then uh, happy to help you out. And you can also check my uh, YouTube video, which is on my profile. Uh, so uh, more than happy to help whoever wants to jump uh, into animations in React Native. Awesome. And James, where can our guests find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter as well. It's at Stern Job Name, which is a terrible handle. I do like that it's an anagram of your actual name. <laughs> yes. Awesome. It seemed like, honestly, like when I came up with that, I was like, this is a really great idea, guys. Everyone's going <laughs> to love this. And then, of course, it's it's not at all memorable and it's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like it. It kind of stands out in its own way. Um and listeners, if you want to follow me, it's Tim Jung, Dev, D-E-V at the end. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, guys. Um, see you next week. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.